0: Are in a series in the book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And uh, just before we jump in, I'm actually just going to pray as we uh, begin. Uh, this, uh, this section of the Bible today, so pray with me. Father, thank you that we can uh, spend time listening to you and hearing from you, and, and I ask, God, that you would open our minds and open our hearts um, wherever it is that we need to listen. God, for those of us that have been Christians for a long, long time, and even for people here that don't know what they believe or are exploring things, we ask, God, that you would speak to us and open our hearts and minds uh, to see what you have for us, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, So last week we we talked, and I know some of you weren't here and that's okay, but just uh, last week we talked about wisdom. And this in some ways is kind of part two of last week. And so it's it's not like you, um, I don't need to do a recap of last week. It's not like you need to hear the the you know the scenes that you missed like in the tv show kind of thing but but if uh, if you are interested in the topic of wisdom i would encourage you to listen to uh, last week's as well and we're talking about an idea throughout this whole book that in each of us there's this longing for something more there's a longing for something more in life and we think about it with all different kinds of areas of our lives, but we long for something more in life, and one of the, the places or one of the areas that we often experience this or feel this is in uh, a desire to be able to have wisdom, to be able to understand how life works, and we want wisdom, and if you think about your life right now, there's probably different areas where you go, man, I don't know what to do about this. And as a pastor, I have people ask me things all the time that I have no idea about, but they ask me, hey, what should I do about this? Or what should I do about this job choice or this relationship? Or what should I do about uh, this conflict? Or what should I do about this? All sorts of different scenarios. And I'm sure in your life right now, there's things, or if there isn't right now, there's things that will come up soon where you go, man, I need wisdom. I I need to be able to figure out how to, to do this. I don't know. And life is complicated, it's complex, it's, it's not easy, and so oftentimes we feel a need for wisdom. And some of that is just a longing we have because life is complicated and complex and there's different things, but it's also because we've seen people that are foolish that kind of mess up their life and we don't want that. We long for wisdom because life is complicated and we want to know how to do things, but we also have seen people that have done foolish things and we don't want that. Things that are silly, like I don't know if you ever watched, when I was a kid, I used to watch this show called America's Dumbest Criminals, and I loved that show because I felt like if I was ever going to be a criminal, I would just study the show, and I'd be able to figure out how not to mess it up, and there's silly things of fools that mess up their life, right, but there's also big things, friends you've had that have made choices, and you go, man, they really messed it up, and maybe you even tried to talk to them, and you even tried to counsel them, man, don't do that, or don't be with that person, or don't leave that person, or don't go this route, or don't make that choice, or, and you've seen people make foolish choices that have messed up their life, and it's not just other people, we've seen ourselves do foolish things, right? I mean, we, if we're all honest, we would have to say, man, there's some stupid choices I've made. There's some stupid choices. There's some bad things that I've done, some things that I regret now, some decisions that I made that I wish I could take back, some, some words that I said that I want to kind of pull back inside my mouth, some emails that I sent that I pray to God that somehow gets interrupted in you know, the, inner, the interwebs and gets caught, you know, because there's things we say and words we say and actions that we do and choices that we make that we, that we go, man, I was a fool, that was foolish, and so we long for wisdom, right? We want to be able to know how does life work, and, and how can I make wise choices in my life, and you may be facing that right now, and, and we want that because we don't want to be foolish and because we, we want to be wise. We don't want to live a life that is marked with, I wish I could take that back. I wish I could do that over again. We don't want that to be our life, so what if we could be wise, What if we could? What if we could be wise and and have a wisdom that would protect us and guard us from looking back at life and going, that was dumb? What if we could have a wisdom that was something that stayed with us in whatever avenue of life? You think about where you are right now and things that you're facing and decisions you're facing, and what if you knew, man, I'm going to make a wise choice in this way. And what if the, the future things that you wonder about and the, the choices you know you will encounter, what, what if you knew, I have a wisdom that is able to guard me and protect me through life? So, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. That's what we're going to today. This is what we're going to talk about of how we get this kind of wisdom and, and what that looks like, how that, how that works itself out into our life. So we're going to look at chapter 10. And he's going to begin, we're going to, we're going to begin with this question, which is what do we need to be wise? If we want to have that kind of wisdom, if we want to have a wisdom that guards us and protects us and keeps us away from foolishness and gives us an understanding of life, what do we need in order to be wise? What do we need in order to be wise? And, and he's going to help us see what happens without this. That's kind of, we'll look at the negative before we actually answer this question of what we need to be wise. He's going to help us see what happens without wisdom. He's going to help us see what happens with foolishness, in our lives? What happens with folly in our lives? And, and this section, as some of the sections are in this book, is filled with a bunch of different proverbs, so it's not super linear, it's not super uh, connected, it's a lot of different phrases and sayings that are talking uh, proverbially about, about foolishness and about wisdom, but we'll kind of look at this and tie it together of what it is that we need to be wise. So chapter 10, uh, here's what he says, dead flies... Make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And and he's just saying this, look, if you've got some perfume and a dead fly is in it, it ruins the whole thing. You might have a giant vat of perfume, which I know perfume doesn't usually come in vats anymore, but you might have, I don't think, it's been a while since I've bought perfume, but you might have a giant vat of perfume, but a, a fly goes in there and dies, and just a little bit can ruin the whole thing. This is true not just with perfume, but if, if you've got a beautiful meal, but there's one hair in it, that and some of you are just grossed out hearing the word hair and meal in the same sentence, and you got one hair that you know just strings out of your mouth. <laughs> it's pre pre-flossing, right? It's just, you know, and it that ruins the whole meal. That ruins the whole meal, right? One little hair ruins the whole meal. Or one fly, if you ever... I always... This is summertime, you know, in Colorado or really anywhere. I, I don't like that much because the flies come out and it's always this beautiful weather and you sit outside, but then flies just start landing on... Maybe me, maybe I just stink. But flies come out and just... Or mosquitoes, you know, and one little thing can ruin the whole thing. That's what he's saying about foolishness. He's saying foolishness is like a dead fly that you might have this great life or all these great choices, but a little bit of foolishness can corrupt the entire thing. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. This is the Republican life verse. Um, and So I'm sure you can put that on a bumper sticker and and use it if you're so inclined. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. And this isn't saying that he's actually walking around saying, hi, I'm a fool, I'm a fool. But it's saying it's palpable. You can just see it on him. That a, fool, a foolishness reverberates off of him. That it's just evident this person is a fool. And so he says, even when he's on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone, he's a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, So if you're in a place and the person in authority is mad at you and angry at you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offense to rest. He's saying handle things calmly. A foolish person, when they're confronted with an angry person, is angry back and starts attacking. And that never uh, goes well, if you've ever seen road rage. There's an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were. An air proceeding from the ruler. So he's kind of staying in the realm of politics and rulers he says, there's an, an error, an evil that I've seen. Folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He says, there's something crazy that I've seen, something evil I've seen, that we actually have leaders that are foolish and that we have pe- people in authority and people, and he's talking about you know, politically, people that are in high places that are ruling badly, that are foolish, something I'm sure that none of us have ever experienced, and and we look at all of our political leaders and think that they are the wisest people, but in his day, they criticized that. That's a little sarcastic, Um, just so you know. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He's saying foolishness just kind of, it just turns everything upside down. Foolishness just, things don't work the way they're supposed to work when there's foolishness. Then he kind of goes into some work analogies. And he says this, he who digs a pit will fall into it and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. So uh, th- this is kind of getting at if you're building a wall in, in, the old, uh, in Israel and, and, uh, and you're going to remove some stones and you're, you're kind of moving things around, just like now, if you pick up a stone, right, there's spiders or beetles and stuff underneath it. And for this, he says, look, if you're, if you're breaking through a wall and you're doing construction and you're not being careful you're not being careful, you're not thinking through the ways things should be done, you're just kind of impatient or just blowing through stuff, then a serpent will bite you. Uh, he who quarries stones is, is hurt by them. He who splits logs is endangered by them. So again, kind of talking about these construction metaphors. You're doing your job, and if you're not careful, and you're splitting logs and stuff, you know, splinters fly into your eyes, and you know, your head falls off, and all sorts of crazy stuff can happen, right? Uh, You can tell I've not split a lot of logs, but or he who quarries stones is just he's saying, look, in all all three of these things, you're doing work, right? You're doing construction and you're you're doing your job. And if you're just kind of lazy and you're just being hasty and just going for it, and you're not using wisdom, then oftentimes things come back to bite you, sometimes literally. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. And there he's saying work smarter, not just harder. That if, if the, the tool that you are using is not sharp, don't just keep going after it, but to take time and to sharpen it. So again, wisdom, foolishness can affect the way you're doing your work. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. And again, so you imagine yourself, your profession is you're a snake charmer. And th- these... Uh, people still exist in the world today uh, that you, I don't know exactly how they do it, so I'm not even going to try to describe it, but you charm a snake. But if, you're, but if you don't do that and you go, man, I've got a show to do or something and I've got to impress the people with the snake and you, you rush to, to handle it before you've actually charmed the snake, you might get bitten. So again, kind of all of these scenarios are saying in the work, in the work that you do. Are you being lazy? Are you just kind of rushing through and doing stuff? Are you using wisdom? Are you being careful? And then he says this, kind of talking about uh, the words that we use. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? So he's saying, man, this fools talk, and they talk, and they talk, and they don't even really know what they're talking about. And the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. He's saying he's so dumb that he can't even find his way back home. So for those of you that are directionally challenged, this is your verse, which would include me. And my wife can quote this verse to me, the fool doesn't know the way to the city, you know. So he's saying fools talk. They say things that are stupid, and they think they know what they're talking about, and they don't, and and a fool is so foolish that it's just, it's tiresome. And then he kind of goes back to politics and says, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. So he's saying, man, when a land has rulers, when a land has rulers that that are thinking about the people, they're thinking about the people and and they're using uh, their strength for the people, then it prospers and it flourishes. But there's also people that are foolish and they're they're feasting and they're not for strength, they're not using food to fuel themselves and to do their work, to rule well, they're just getting drunk in the morning and they're they're just kind of they're childish and they're just for themselves and they're slothful and they're and because of their slothfulness, the the, the roof leaks, which is to say the kingdom doesn't flourish, it doesn't thrive. So he's saying that foolishness can affect the, the political landscape when people are just not doing the work they're they're supposed to do. And then uh, this is really, uh, most uh, scholars think this is a quote uh, that those princes, those foolish princes would say, bread is made for laughter, which I don't understand that. I've never heard anyone say that ever before. I've never seen someone with a loaf of bread going, ha, 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 right? So this is like probably the most complicated version of the Bible to me because I don't understand. Bread is made for laughter. So if you're deciding tonight, if you want to do something funny, go buy some bread. So bread is, so he's saying these people, this is just like what they're, they're so foolish and they're so lazy and they're just kind of saying bread is for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. So that's kind of what the rulers are like. Again, foolish. And he says, but when you have those kind of rulers, what can happen is you want to, to curse those people. Man, we've got these fools, but he says that can be foolish also. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom, curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. And he's not saying that literally, but metaphorically speaking. Like we say, man, the walls can talk, or the walls have ears, or, you know, that, that, that uh, some... I think there's another little proverbial saying about birds carrying our message to people. But, he, but he's saying, look, you, you might have these foolish rulers. And because of that, you start to talk bad about them and curse them. But that would be foolish of you because it's probably going to make their way back to them. It's probably going to make their way back to them. And then you, you will have consequences that face your life. So, so he goes through all of these things describing foolishness. But really, we can see in here what it is that we need to be wise. So if right now in your life there's particular situations, there's particular things, or, or maybe it's not particular things, but there's just a longing to go, man, I want to grow in wisdom. I want to be able to figure out what to do about this situation. I want to be able to figure out how life works. I want to be able to figure out how to navigate through choices in my life. What do we need to be wise? As we read this passage, here, here's what we need. We need a wisdom that will affect all areas of our life because he says that foolishness affects all areas of our life. He starts kind of talking about politics and kings and rulers. And then he gets more specific, talking about our jobs and the work we do, and then the words we use, and then politics again. So I mean, he's, here's what he's saying. Foolishness can affect all of your life, every different avenue, from the greater to the, to the lesser. Foolishness can affect everything. So we need a wisdom that can affect everything. Because foolishness has the potential, and just a little bit of it, if you remember. Just one little bit of foolishness can affect everything. And it can affect you, and it can affect the people around you, and it can affect, uh, it can affect years of your life. Just a little bit of foolishness. And so what do we need to be wise? Well, because foolishness affects every area of life, we need a wisdom that can affect every area of life of life, because it only takes a little bit of foolishness. And you, you may have experienced this or seen this. The one choice that you've made, or one word that you've said, or one email that you've sent, and you go, man, that had so many consequences. That one foolish act that I did has reverberated. Even though everything was going well here, one little thing can affect everything. This is what he, this is what he says. So, he, so here's what this means. If we need a wisdom if, we need a, if, we, if foolishness can affect all areas of our life, we need a wisdom that can affect all areas of our life, which is different from just saying we need to master particular skills. It's because sometimes we think, man, I just need to know how to do marriage or I just need to know how to do work or I just need to know how to um, do um, business and success or and, and, uh, education, but, but foolishness affects everything. So there has to be a wisdom that can affect everything, not just a mastery of particular skill sets in particular things, because you might be really smart over here, but that doesn't mean you're wise. You may have mastered particular skills over here, but it doesn't mean that there's a a framework of wisdom underneath your life that helps you to be wise in whatever situation that you're in. And actually, this is, people mess up at this a lot. There's a lot of statistics out there that people that are really smart in one thing because of that, think they're smart in everything, and then they end up making a lot of stupid decisions because they think this transfers over to this, but it doesn't. And see, we need wisdom that affects everything because foolishness can potentially affect all areas of our life. And and here's what that means. What we need to be wise is a wisdom that affects everything, and thus, we need not just skills and, and wisdom in particular areas, but we need a core of wisdom, we need some sort of root of wisdom. Some, as I said before, a framework or core of wisdom that blossoms into all the other things. Even if you haven't thought deeply yet about this area of your life, about politics or about uh, not getting bitten by snakes, or you haven't thought about those things yet, but there's a core of wisdom that leads to all these different things. And this is what he says. Actually, in the beginning, he says, "A wise man's heart." Incline, and I made a joke about it, but he says a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart inclines him to the left. And, he, and he's not saying that right is good and left is bad. He, he's just talking about a, a, a person's heart. What, where does wisdom come from and where does foolishness come from? And it's not just the particular things, but there's a core, there's a heart that directs a whole way of life. The wise person's heart directs them this way and a foolish person's heart directs them this way see there's a there's a core underneath that leads to two different kinds of lives and this is so important because what he's saying is you know where wisdom starts it's not just wise in an area it's a heart direction See, wisdom what we need to be wise is a core of wisdom a core of wisdom, a heart of wisdom. See, our hearts are what direct our lives. What you love, what you value, is what directs your life. If you think about the foolish choices that you've made in your life, it's come from your heart. It's come from something in you. Maybe there was a desire that shouldn't have been there for comfort. And you, you loved comfort so much and it led you to make choices of maybe not getting a job or of not, uh, of, of not doing something you should have done, of, of being lazy in your job and you got laid off or there's a, a heart that was driving you in a particular direction. And if you love comfort or you value comfort, that can lead you in a different direction or, or maybe that's people's approval. If you are somebody that goes, man, in my heart, in my core, the thing that's leading to my various decisions is something that shouldn't be there. And I I desire and crave people's affection and their approval. What happens if that's what's leading your heart? All sorts of foolish choices, right? We can lie to people because we're trying to impress them, and then later they find out we were lying, and then we did the opposite of impress them. Now they think we're dishonest. In our heart, if we're craving people's affection and their approval, a lot of times people end up in relationships they shouldn't end up in. People, go, how did I ever end up with that guy? Because he was showing you love and affection and attention. And so you said, well, then I'm going to go this way. Because there's this craving, this love, this longing in the heart that ends up leading to foolishness. See, what he says is this. If we want to be wise, it starts in the heart. The fool's heart leads them this way, and the wise person's heart leads them this way. Thus, if we want to be wise, we have to have a core of wisdom, because what we value, what we love, is what will direct us. You know this. Think about the foolish words that you said. Where did that come from? It wasn't just, oh, crap, I don't know how to send emails. Oh, man, I didn't know I shouldn't have done that. It comes from a place of something in the heart, some foolishness in the heart. All the poor choices we've made, they will will come from a place in our heart. And here's what this also means the fool will often think they're wise. A lot of times, the foolish choices that we've made, we don't know they're foolish until we look back at them, right? In the moment, we go, This feels good. We may even say this, you know what, I am being true to myself. I'm following my heart, and we are, but we're following a foolish heart. If you can look back at the foolish choices you made, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, in the moment, you thought it was wise. You thought this is the best thing to do. So this is very important, because if we want to be wise, We can't just master skills, we can't just master concepts, we can't just focus on particular areas, but there has to be a heart of wisdom, a core of wisdom that's underneath all the different decisions that we make. So what is this core then? What can help us discern in in whatever area we are, what is the wise thing to do? What is the core of wisdom that we need? If he says it starts in the heart, look at all these areas of life, work and politics and the way we use our speech. Look at all these different areas in life where folly can affect them just a little bit and send your life into a totally uh, different direction than it should have gone or could have gone. Then we need a core that can help us in all those areas. So what is the core of wisdom that we need? What's the core of wisdom that we need? And, And he gives us this example he he hints at it here of, of of an example of wisdom that blew him away so he talks about this example of wisdom that that he marveled at that that he says this was a great example of wisdom this is the kind of wisdom that that if we have this kind of wisdom underneath all wisdom he says this is an example of wisdom that impresses me this is an example of wisdom that that just moves me and I didn't read that part, so we'll come back to it because I wanted to have the suspense. So um, go to, if you have in uh, your Bible, but I'll put it up here also, back, backing up a little bit in chapter 9, verse 13. And here's what he says. He says, I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun. So this is actually the intro to everything we just read. And he says, I've, I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. And that that wording, he's saying, it impressed me, it moved me. This is the kind of wisdom that we need. And here's what he said. Here's here's the example. Here's what he says happens. There was a little city with few men in it. And a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. So there's this this little city with some people in it. and, And there's this huge attack, this mighty military power against this little city. But there was found in it So here's the great example of wisdom that moves him. There was found in it a poor wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. So he doesn't say what he did. We don't know what happened. But he says, look, there's this little city. and, And they must have tried to do everything they could to defend themselves and protect themselves against this great military might coming against them. But what saved the day? It was this poor wise man who saves the city. But then the story takes a twist. Yet no one remembered that poor man. He saves them and they forget him. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. You see, this this poor wise man saves the city and then they forget him, they despise him, and they do not listen to him. The words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So what's the core of wisdom that we need? He says, here's the example. Here's the thing I saw under all the sun, he says. There's this example of wisdom I saw that moved me, that impressed me, that, that this is the kind of wisdom that we need right here. This is the kind of wisdom that we need, that, that if we had this kind of wisdom, if, if this was the wisdom that was directing our hearts, as he then goes on to talk about, it would protect us from the different kind of foolishness that he, that he lays out. So he says, there's this city. There's this city, and there's a poor, weak, wise person that saves them. And yet they reject him. They despise him. They forget him. Now, when you come to the New Testament, doesn't that sound like somebody? And see, it says the same thing. You come to the New Testament, when it talks about Jesus, it says the exact same thing, that this is what the core of wisdom is, that this is what the great example of wisdom is. Here's how how Paul says it. He says this, "...for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing." But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So he's saying, look, there's this wisdom out there that God has that is amazing. But people look at it and they reject it. They despise it. They don't listen to it. For it's written, this is what God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. He's saying, look, where's the person that claims they're smart? Where's the person that claims they're powerful? Where's the person that claims they have it figured out? And he says, You know what? My wisdom is so different, it looks like foolishness to everybody else. My wisdom looks like something that you would reject, that you would despise, that you would not listen to. And he says, but in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And he's not really saying it's foolish, but he's saying it sounds like foolishness to people that hear it because it's a very different kind of wisdom. He says, Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. The fact that God would come to this earth and be crucified and he would die a bloody death. For Greeks, they think that's foolish. Because they think power and wisdom, thats it's success and, it's, and, it, and it wouldn't die. And Jews, he said, they, they demand a sign. They expect God to show up and, to, and declare military victory and to, to do something big. And, and instead, the way God's wisdom got played out was the death of the Messiah, the death of the one that is God. So he says it doesn't make sense to people. God's wisdom, God's wisdom doesn't make sense to people. They look at it and actually think it's foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, what's the core of wisdom that we need? When Solomon writes, he says, here's the core of wisdom. Here's this amazing example I saw. There's this person that's poor, but they're very wise, and they saved the whole city. This poor person who is weak and not, military, uh, and not not using military might, but something in his poverty and something in his weakness, he's able to save everybody. And he goes, this is the great example of wisdom I saw, and yet what's crazy is everybody then rejected him. Everybody then despised him. Nobody remembered him. And we come to Paul and he goes, let me tell you about Jesus. He's a, he's a, man, that, he's a man that was poor, He's a man that humbled himself. He's a man that looked weak, right? Nobody looked at Jesus and saw this this great saving king that would conquer Rome or conquer the enemy. But rather he came in poverty and he came in weakness and he dies on a cross and people look at that even though that's what saves and they reject and they don't listen and they don't remember. And he says, look, this is what looks like foolishness. God's wisdom, the very core of wisdom, he says, looks like foolishness to people. It looks, it looks like folly. But he says, but this is what God's wisdom is. This is the core of wisdom. It's salvation. It's grace. See, why did people think that that was foolish? Because who would ever say that God would come to this earth and die? Who would ever say that the way to deal with the enemy is to, is to let the enemy kill you? Who would ever say that, that those that are sinful can be saved by grace and nothing that they do. See, here's what Paul is saying. Look, people might look at you and think it's foolish. They might look at you and think it's foolish that you believe that God would accept you, even though you can look at your life and go, man, there's these things I should be ashamed of. There's these things I'm guilty of. People go, he says, look, you might think it's foolish. You might think it's foolish that God would accept you in the middle of that. You might think it's foolish, and other people might think it's it's foolish. Look, people still say this about the cross. People still say, the cross is foolishness, because it's different from every other form of religious um, salvation. Because what do we hear all the time that we need? We need to do better. We need to work harder. We need to be good people. We need to, and then, I was just talking to somebody the other day that said, man, I've got all this stuff in my life and I want to work it out and then come to God. Because if I can work it out, then God will be able to accept me. Because it would be foolish to say, no, you know what? You should actually come dirty and shameful and guilty to God. But that's what, that's what Jesus says. That's what the cross is. That's what grace is. See, grace looks like foolishness. Grace looks like foolishness. This is why we don't operate on grace. We operate in our lives all the time thinking, if I do these things, God accepts me. God blesses me. God will love me. God is for the good people. God is for the people that get it. God is for the people that have it together. That's what religion is. And the cross says it looks really foolish. The cross says, it looks really foolish, but here's actually how God works. He goes after people that are sinful and shameful and guilty and says, you're mine. I forgive you. I accept you. Isn't it foolish that God would come to this earth and die? And we might not think so because if you've been in the church for a long time, that's just kind of an old idea to you. But to say, here's how God's going to save people here's how God's going to save people. He's going to let them kill him. That seems foolish. But Paul says, Solomon says, this is actually the great example of wisdom. This is the core of wisdom that's different from everything else. See, foolishness affects everything. Foolishness can affect every part of our life. And so if we, want, if we want to live a wise life, if we want to be protected from foolishness, if we want to be protected from folly, Solomon says we need a heart of wisdom, a core of wisdom. And here's the great example of wisdom. It's this. It's a poor, weak man that would save people even though they despise and reject him. And The Bible says about Jesus, that is the core of wisdom. This is the wisdom of God that if we have if we have this core of wisdom, Inside of us, in our heart, that affects everything. So finally, just this, how, how would this core of wisdom direct our life? If that really is the core of wisdom, the gospel, good news, grace, salvation, the cross, if that's the core of wisdom that could guard us and protect us, how does that actually work itself out in the various decisions and choices and things that we have to, to do and here's what it means it means we have to look at every area of our life and this is if you read through the new testament if you read through the letters that paul writes or peter writes or james writes to the church and he's trying to help them think through things this is how he does it It says we need to look at every area of life and not just say what do i want or what's being true to me or what does my heart desire because that might lead you to foolishness because there might be foolishness in your heart you can't just ask that but you also can't just say hey what's the right thing to do But you have to say, how does the wisdom of God, which is shown to us in the cross, in salvation, in grace, how does that affect this area? How does that apply to this area? And think through it. That's what wisdom is. So as you're wrestling with things right now and you go, what do I do about this? Or how should I think through this? There's endless things that we could talk about of how how this could apply and how this could help us be wise. But let me just give a couple examples and how this is different from from other kinds of wisdom. If you're in a situation of conflict, if there's a person that you have beef with or there's a person that there's tension with or or even just uh, in a marital situation where there's conflict so this could be for kind of, man, there's a person that I have conflict, or it could be, man, there's some tension happening right now in the car as we're driving home from church, right? And you go, how do I handle this? What do I do about this? What would be the wise thing to do right now? And sometimes we pause and think about that. What is the wise thing to do in this tension that i have with this boss that's a jerk or this coworker that's a jerk or this person sitting next to you that's a jerk or you know what do i do in this conflict what do i do here and sometimes what we think is wise is that we need to get even with them what we think is wise is this person has wronged me and so i need to wrong them whether that's to verbally wrong them and speak evil against them to them or to others, or what I need to do is get even with them. If they did this to me, then I'll do it to them. In in marriage, that that can be as simple as, hey, if you're not going to talk to me, I'm not going to talk to you. You're going to give me the silent treatment. I'll give you the silent treatment. And go, this is, I think, what the right thing, the wise thing to do right now is. Or we may say, no, you know what the wise thing to do? People that are like that, people that are creating conflict in your life, tension in your life, they're toxic. Just get rid of them. They're toxic and, and they just cause, man, you don't want those kind of people in your life. But gospel wisdom is different. Gospel wisdom is very different. The wisdom that, that Solomon, the wisdom that Paul says, this is the great example of wisdom. This is the wisdom that impresses me. This is the wisdom that blows my mind. This is the wisdom that I look at and say, man, man, we could have that kind of wisdom. See, the wisdom of the gospel changes our thinking in a situation of conflict. Because it says this, what did Jesus do to those he was in conflict with? What did Jesus do to those he was in conflict with? He pursued them. What did Jesus do to those people that were toxic in his life? He gave them grace. This is why when Jesus said, love your enemies, people said, that's ridiculous. And because we know that's a Bible verse, if you're a Christian, we don't usually say that, but we actually do that. Those people that are enemies in our life, we would say, man, here's what you do with an enemy. You make them pay. You get even with them. You show them the wrong that they're doing. You make them see how bad they are, or you say, forget it, they're toxic. And the gospel says this. The gospel says, you know what you do in a situation of conflict? What did Jesus do to you? He pursued you. He loved you. He gave you grace. He wanted unity with you, and he fought for unity with you, even though you wanted to divide yourself from him. And people looked at Jesus and his approach to sinners and said, that's foolish. But if we think about the situations of conflict we're in, and we think about the gospel, that's a different kind of wisdom. Or if you think about things in your life, and this could be all sorts of things that you're worried about, things that that you go, man, I don't know what to do about this, and I'm kind of worried about this, or I'm kind of stressed about this, and I'm kind of staying up thinking about this, and I can't sleep because of this, and there's some situation that you're worried about in life, some of our wisdom, our natural wisdom that might actually be foolish, some of our natural wisdom tells us to do this. It says, hey, if there's something you're worried about, something you're stressed about, something that you can't sleep about, something you're trying to kind of figure out, here's what you should do. Just chill out. It'll all work itself out. But a lot of things don't work themselves out, do they? Just let go and let God. Just It'll all happen the way it's supposed to happen. A lot of things don't work themselves out. A lot of things, there's not a silver lining around the cloud. A lot of things go really bad. You might lose your job. That person might not like you. That, that situation might go really poorly for you. And so some of our wisdom says, man, I've got to do everything I can to fix this. Then I've got to do everything I can to work on this. I've got to do whatever I can. I've got to make a plan. I've got to strategize. I've got to, I've got to give it everything I've got. And might get tired, it might get burnt out, it might get exhausted, trying to control a situation. But here's what the gospel changes our wisdom in thinking about whatever it is you might be worried about, or stressed out about, or not able to sleep about. The gospel changes our thinking, and says this: the worst might happen, but God is still with you and for you. And that doesn't necessarily tell you what to do, but it tells you in the middle of whatever you're worried about in all the different thought scenarios that you play out in your mind, it says, look, you can rest and you can work, but you don't have to be desperate in your working and you don't don't have to rest in a way that's actually laziness and abdication of thoughtful thinking. Because of this, God is with you even if it goes exactly how you want or even if it goes horribly. Because in the most horrible moment that human history has ever seen, which is the cross, it was also the most beautiful moment because that's where God was most showing his love and his grace. You see, what looks like foolishness is actually wisdom. What looks like weakness is actually power. Or finally, one last example. Maybe there's decisions you're trying to make, and that can be all sorts of things, right? There can be decisions that you are trying to make, and sometimes. Sometimes we, we say, you know what, I'm not going to do this because I'm afraid of failing. And we might not use that language, but this is what, we, I'm not going to ask that person because what if they say no? I'm not, gonna try, I'm not even going to apply for that job because what if they reject me? I'm not even going to try to uh, go um, and help this person because they might just think I'm trying to manipulate them. I'm not going to even try to do this because I might fail. It might not work. So I don't want to do it because I don't want to feel failure. Or conversely, we may say, man, I am going to do this thing. And the reason I'm going to do it, and we don't say it like this, but this is what's happening in the heart of foolishness. I am going to do this thing. I am going to make this decision. I am going to make this choice. Why? It's it's not a fear of failure. It's the opposite. It's because I want the success. And I want to be seen, and I want to be respected, and I want to be admired, and I want to be looked at, and I, want to be, and I want this position of glory. See, both of those things, though, are saying this. I want approval, and I'm afraid I might not get it so I don't do something, or I really, really want it so I'm going to do something that you shouldn't actually do. But the gospel changes that. The gospel changes that operating system of what is wise and what is not wise. It changes it by saying this, you already have all the approval you could ever want from Jesus. That though we are sinful, foolish people, that though we are often failures at the things we do, and though many people do not approve of us and do not accept us, Jesus says, you are exactly the person I want in my family. See, the cross says you are more wicked than you think you are and more accepted than you think you are. And if that begins to change our core, then we're no longer afraid of failure so we can make bold decisions. Because it's okay if we fail. But we're also not making foolish decisions that we shouldn't make, grasping for success and grasping for some position of glory. The gospel says, look, you are free to fail and you're free to succeed and neither define you. Neither are your identity. The cross gives you the identity that you long for. So, how, how would this core of wisdom direct our life? You, you may not think it applies to the different things you're wrestling through, but I'd encourage you to think about it. I'd encourage you to think about where do my choices come from? What place in my heart do the choices I make, the words I speak, come from? Because foolishness affects everything, but the core of wisdom here, this great example of wisdom, can affect everything as well. And when this wisdom gets into the core of your life, it leads to a life that is wise. It leads to a life in all the different avenues, whether that is speech or politics or, or those in authority over us or work or whatever. It leads to wisdom in all the different areas of life. When this gets in our core, and it also means it's a, it's a kind of wisdom that it can't be pinned down. It can't be just like, this is, the, this is a wisdom that is, is clearly uh, Republican or clearly Democrat, or this is a wisdom that's clearly uh, culturally bound, or it's a wisdom that's 2017. You know, people say, oh, it's 2017, so therefore we should blank, blank, blank. But this kind of wisdom. This is a wisdom that's not bound by culture and it's not bound by politics and it's not bound by time. And imagine that kind of wisdom in your life. A wisdom that is thought through the gospel and a wisdom that that then would affect an entire community, not even just your life. That's That's what we need. That's the kind of wisdom we need, which means this. This is the last thing I'll say. We have to get this into our core. If, if, if it starts in a heart, we have to get it into our core, which means we have to do what those people didn't do in the great example. See, this, this, saving, this saving poor wise man that delivered them all, what did they do? They rejected him. They forgot him, it says. They didn't listen to him. And some of you are Christians, and you've been Christians for a long time, and you would say, yes, Jesus, he saved me, he delivered me, he rescued me. This poor, weak, wise man, he did it. And then we go about thinking through things and using wisdom that may not be wisdom. We forget and we have a different core, a different operating system, a different framework that's actually where our decisions are coming from. see, how would this core of wisdom direct our life? Well, part of it is just this. We have to make sure that that is our core which is to go and do what they didn't do, which is to listen again to this wisdom, to ask and to try to let the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done, get into your core. That can mean all sorts of things. That can mean reading books that specifically help you think through how the gospel applies to various areas of your life. It can, it can be here where you, you ask God, God, let, let what you've done and who you are affect my decisions but we must get this into our core. And when we take communion, this is part of why we eat communion. Part of why we eat communion, I don't know if you think about this much, but part of why we eat communion when we try to remember the gospel is to say, I want this to get inside of me. I want it to be in my core so that it's actually internally Everything else externally flows out of that. I want the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection for me, in my place, forgiving me, making me right with him. I want that to I want that to get inside of me so that all of my life that's then lived out there is flowing from that and not something else that's in my core. This is where the wise life actually comes from. So this is what we will remember when we take communion and when we pray and when we, when we sing songs. So pray with me now. Father, I ask that uh, as, we, as we take communion and close our time together, that you would help us, even just now, to reflect on the gospel, the good news of who you are, what you've done. Let this get into our core. God, all of us are facing different decisions in our life. All of us have different ways of living in our life right now that may be foolish. And so I pray even now that we, as we take communion, as we sing, as we pray, as we reflect, God, let the gospel get deeper into our core individually and as a community. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.